0: Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast, your number one spot to get mentoring, guidance, and behind the scenes learnings to help you understand what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale your packaged food or beverage business. On the show, you'll hear from food founders at various stages of growth, and you'll hear from me and my 14 years of packaged food and beverage experience. Each episode is packed with insights, Inspiration and learning to help you on your food business journey. I'm your host, Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. Before we jump into today's show, I want to thank our sponsor, the Food Brands That Sell program. Food Brands That Sell is a six week deep dive into the CPG industry and teaches you how to win within that industry by creating a brand that you, retailers, and consumers love. Here's what a recent alumni had to say about the program. I am so grateful that I chose to do Food Brands That Sell. I learned so much about myself, my journey, and my company. These six weeks changed how I'm doing my business, and I can see the difference already. I no longer feel alone. If you aren't already on the wait list, hop on over to foodbrandsthatsellwaitlist.com or grab the link below to make sure that you are first to know when the program is accepting new students. All right, let's dive into today's episode. All right, everyone, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast.
1: Today, I'm excited to be speaking with Samantha Abrams of Emmy's Organic, delicious Wholesome cookies we can feel good about. You can watch on all day, all night. Who doesn't want that? Um, Excited to dive in more about this story. Samantha, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Samantha, for anyone who does not know any of the organic cookies, could you talk to us a little bit about what the product is and also the origin story, how you guys came to be? Yeah. Maybe I'll start. With the origin story,
2: which is thus, it's my partner Ian. This was about over 14 years ago. He taught me how to make this very simple coconut cookie recipe that he had created really out of a need for himself. He has a lot of dietary restrictions and really needs to keep his diet quite simple. And especially back then, this was in 2009, um, you really couldn't find decadent, delicious products that also were made with simple ingredients, all that you could pronounce. And so he had created our original coconut cookie recipe out of a need for himself, and he taught me how to make it one night. And we both just were like, wow, there really isn't anything like this available on the market. And they're so delicious, not only for people with dietary restrictions, but everybody likes them. So we started exploring what would it take to get these products into a store. We had no business experience. We did not know what CPG stood for. We didn't have any sense of anything, distribution, packaging. So we just learned by doing and started very locally in upstate New York, in Ithaca, New York, where majority of our products are still made today and figured out bags and labels and getting a home processor's license and just started going door-to-door in our local community. Eventually became Ithaca Farmer's Market Vendors where we experimented and created other products. And that was really fun and really just did the door-to-door thing for a while. And then eventually started learning about small distributors, and larger retailers, and really just by doing it ourselves. So that is the origin story. And so still today, we make a few product lines, all made with gluten-free, vegan, certified organic ingredients with very simple ingredient lists, all that you can pronounce. And we love making just really indulgent, delicious products that you also can feel really
1: good about. I love origin stories exactly like this, where there was just a pure need, and you're like, "Hey, other people probably are experiencing the same problem. Like, they want something clean, they want something healthy, and it's delicious." Which, going back 15 years ago, that wasn't really a thing. Like, you guys really were some of the first to go to market with that.
2: Yes, our timing was really amazing, but we can't take credit. And like, we, it was not strategic. We just our desire and wants to have better products just were happening at the same time as a lot of other people. Yeah. Timing can be such
1: a beautiful piece, which is definitely a great piece. Definitely. Now, okay. You guys started selling at farmers' Markets, going door to door, started learning about distribution. I speak with a lot of food brands and I'm sure you've had as well, where a lot of people 15 years in, they are not in The distribution point that you guys ran 15, about 15,000 doors? Yeah. So you were in about 15,000 doors. Seriously, some brands are still in farmer's markets at that point, or they're still doing the door-to-door thing. What was it that allowed you guys to really grasp this idea of, hey, we need to work with distributors. Hey, we need to do things really differently. Especially you mentioned like you guys didn't come from that background of food and bed landscape. It's intimidating as heck. Let's be really honest. So how did you guys go about managing that? Well, I think one of the best, it was almost a benefit to us
2: not having any experience because we were just completely naive and we just went for it and asked a lot of big, bold questions from people. So sometimes it's nice not to know because then you just, you don't know how hard it is and you just do it. But for us, we, things happened really organically. I will say in the beginning with, We were doing door to door. We were managing multiple retail locations, calling, checking in, making sure that their inventory was in stock, shipping, making like we did everything ourselves. And then we were connected to a local distributor in our community. And they basically brought products to other small kind of health food store, independent stores in upstate New York and a little beyond that. So that was our first foray into even understanding about distribution. And through that connection, I think we then met a broker who connected us to other small distributors in the New York City area. And for us, again, because it was so early, We were able to get into some really amazing independent health food stores, one on our own. We did take a trip and went door to door in New York City as well. But then when we started working with smaller independent distributors, it helped us get into a lot of stores in New York. So New Yorkers, I feel like, know us the best because they were the earliest adopters of our brand. And so I think just from that and seeing, okay, working with distributors, that gets us into more doors okay, what are our goals? And I think also we had a friend that was working at in the whole body department at a Whole Foods Market. And she helped us get into our first region where we really were selling door to door. You just got approved for the whole region. And so we just, we grew really slowly. And I think a lot of brands starting now want to grow really fast because they see how big the pie is. There's so many doors to get into. And you really can grow a business slowly if you want to. But for us also, we were in our early 20s. Like we didn't have like a mortgage to pay or like a car payment. We and we had side jobs in the beginning as well. So we just, we just let the business pull us forward. And we were very smart about not taking on too much overhead um, or buying mm-hmm. massive pieces of equipment too early. But until we knew that the business could support something like that.
1: I like that. Like, strate- it wasn't stri- strategic growth. I know you're saying, like, other ones made things strategic right. with it. But there was. Right. It was. Guys decided to, okay, we're going to grow this piece. We're going to, like, learn as we go. and sure there were a ton of lessons along the way. And then you started to get more doors and and grow that. Yeah.
2: Totally. Yeah. and And we... I think more opportunities just came to us and we wanted to be able to say yes. And so then it's, okay, how do we manage this business and be able to make more products? We also always prioritize profitability from the beginning, which is also something that's rare. I think nowadays it's becoming more important. Several years ago, most brands were just trying to grow their top line as fast as possible. So we had a really solid foundation and we had that, especially
1: for when we got into like even larger retailers. Okay, so you've been growing. Now you're, now you're, everyone knows you guys now, right? You have very good distribution. I'd you're say right? we're still quite, depending
2: on who you are comparing us to, like in the scheme of the industry, I'd say we're still a, a small to medium sized brand. Obviously, we're much larger than being a farmer's market vendor and in a few local stores. But if you asked the general population, do you know Emmys? A lot of people would say no. So we have a lot of growing to do still.
1: Yeah. And that's a really great mentality to have. You're like, okay, a lot of our audience knows there. We're in a lot of doors, but there's still so many more people that can get to know this. And it's not probably gonna be for everyone. Some people maybe still want the for you. And that's totally fine. But there's still a big group of people that can get to know your products, like the products, try it. Yeah, definitely. For you guys where you are right now. What type of marketing is it that is helping you, helping you continue to grow? Have you guys, over the years, you've been able to really figure out what works, what doesn't work? What is it that's working for you guys right now from a marketing and trial perspective?
2: I feel like we're still always learning when the market's always changing and we, we like to trial and experiment different things. We've always maintained really strong, organic, social and email throughout. And especially in the beginning, it was just like, that's what we could afford to do. But over time, we've really been able to grow a really beautiful audience for both social, especially on Instagram and email, which I would say is even stronger for us. And really honing in on that email list and prioritizing certain messaging and seeing what works and what doesn't. It's a wonderful place to test and learn. And then we are now utilizing paid media to gain awareness and drive trial. And let's see, we do some other things as far as trial is concerned. We do a few subscription boxes. We do some sampling in stores. That's always been something that we've loved to do. Obviously, that paused quite a bit throughout the pandemic and also trying to support events with sampling. I'd say we still operate in quite a scrappy way. The paid media is new for us. And I do not think like a new brand does not need to be spending lots of money on paid media if they don't have a lot of funding. But that's been really interesting to see what type of creative and messaging really resonates with people, especially
1: new eyeballs that don't know of our brand already. And I noticed on your website too, you guys do this welcome offer for people where they get, you know. Try some of the different products. Talk to me about that. And how long has that been a piece of your strategy? Oh my gosh, years. I oh my God. good. That's so yes.
2: good. That, yeah. It does, yes. And sorry, Is there sometimes there's like little things that we do that I don't even put into a marketing strategy. Totally. It's just that <laughs> we do, but it's so great that you picked that out. Yes, having a welcome offer to really get people to sign up that gets them onto our list and encourages them to place an order. And once that happens, we have a series of emails that really like nurture and educate new customers so they can really become part of our family. And there's a lot of very personalized messaging that you get in that flow. And we recently redid our website and recently launched subscriptions. That's also something new that is fun to talk about. And we have a lot of like really great deals that you can get if you subscribe and get regular shipments of our products. And there's different kind of combo boxes and things. So you get to try a variety of the products
1: that we have today. How do you, I'm sure for you, have you noticed, I feel like you guys look in the data pieces, with pieces. It sounds like you guys are like looking at pieces and tweaking. Have you noticed that there's a different type of customer that's going to subscription boxes versus people are just coming and one-off buying for you? That, I would
2: say it's a little too soon for me to answer okay. that. Yeah. We just launched subscription. And so we don't have enough data, I think, to really have key learnings on that. Got it. And I'm interested. <laughs> yeah,
1: I'm interested too. I'm like very curious. I feel like there's such a level of brand love that people need to have a subscription to something. Going through some of your reviews, though, people are like, I eat these every day. It's
2: amazing. Yeah, it's, <laughs> so yeah amazing. we have so many. The reviews, that's a whole other piece. Like having reviews on your website and starting to collect them right away is such a great way to get feedback, but also really help show up new customers that this is a loved product. And we use them sometimes in paid media. We use them in email and social. Just it's such a wonderful way to see how people are enjoying describing and giving feedback for your products.
1: Absolutely, yeah, it's great to hear it like in their own words. You're like, oh, this is the impact we're really having.
2: Yeah. Oh, it's so wonderful. And even when there is, you know, we've been lucky that it's mostly positive. Feedback is so important. And so to be able to have that touch point, honestly, like in the very beginning, us being at the farmer's market was having that interaction with people and seeing them try things right then and there and be like I love this I don't like that as much are people coming back to certain flavors and products you just you learn so much with people you know and and it's harder sometimes especially if you have an e-com business just what are those touch points and so I think reviews is a great way to leverage
1: yeah absolutely and then from a sales side You mentioned that you're working, you guys obviously work with distributors. So many people have this, not touch and go relationship with distributors, but you know what I'm I'm like, it's a, it's a necessary part of the business. Some people are like, yes, they love it. Some people don't necessarily. How do you manage working with your distributors and what role do they really play and how do you work with them?
2: I think distributors, depending on your business. If you really want to be in a lot of doors, I think distributors are a necessary evil. And like I said in the beginning, we worked with a lot of independent distributors. And I don't think that they're given enough love, really, because you don't have to jump to working to UNF- with UNFI or Casey or like any of the really large distributors right away. In fact, When I speak to newer founders, I tell them not to, because I think in order to work with those guys, you really need to have like an accounting team. You need to like have the bandwidth to be able to review the chargebacks that you get. There's a lot of paperwork that goes into working with those distributors. And it's great if you have that kind of support. And it's also a headache because there's just it's a lot of work that goes into it and you get charged incorrectly and you need to dispute them. And there's a lot that goes into it. But there are independent distributors who do have terms and you always need to have maybe a legal support looking over agreements and all of that. But they can be a lot easier to work with and also just give you that ability to get into more doors when you are still a younger brand. So we did that for many years before we took the plunge to UNFI and, and so And now still we work with a number of independents and some of the big guys. Mm-hmm. And that's just how our business works. And we knew we wanted to become a household name. That's still what we want today. And so for us, we really wanted to get into as many doors as possible. And we knew that was the route that we were going to take. We wanted to get in nationwide into Whole Foods Market. We did the regional thing for a while. And then we wanted to have, we were lucky enough to get the opportunity to go global with them. And that's just how it works best to go global with larger retailers
1: Other I didn't pieces- want to say the necessary evil. You said it. Oh, I think that. <laughs> I imagine that everyone feels that way. You know, like we
2: so appreciate our distribution partners, and but it is. It's a lot. I, th- I think they would also recognize that it's just there is a a whole layer of work that goes into it that I think a very small brand it can be really overwhelming for. So I think just taking that jump too early could be. Uh, challenging
1: yeah i think that's really great advice for people in terms of if you're even up to a thousand two thousand doors you don't need to go necessarily to unify okay? KC yeah. going learning with other uh, distributors working with them and then eventually going to larger ones like that can be done as well obviously the one knows KC, knows unfi they know the distribution point that they can get them in but it's also really good to walk before you run with some of these things to, to learn yeah, along the way.
2: I would also say, because trade shows are such a piece of this puzzle that I think a lot of younger brands are like questioning, should I make that investment in a trade show? And I honestly don't think that you should invest in a trade show until you are working with distributors. Because most of you want to be able to say yes to the opportunity that come to you at a trade show and most of the buyers there are going to be working with distributors and it's going to be so much easier for you to make that sale. You can walk a trade show. You can schmooze and get inspired and do all of that, I think, before you invest in the booth and do the whole thing because it's so expensive. And that's also something
1: that we didn't do for many years. Do You guys do trade shows now as part of your awareness building activity
2: Some. We do some like distributor tabletop shows and we did not do Expo West this year. And I'm not sure if we're gonna do it next year or not. I don't know. We're we used to do them quite regularly, but then we found we were having less touch points with the buyers and we're just always trying
1: to look at what's gonna be best for the business and what's the best spend for the business. Yeah, got it. I think that's a great way to do it too, in terms of just because you've always done something always a good opportunity to relook really at things and be like, is this giving us the return that we need? Exmo right. has changed over the year. So if you're not getting that same return, that's also okay. And that's, as a business owner, it's what you constantly need to be doing, like evaluating and tweaking, what's working what's not working.
2: Always, yes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then you guys have launched a new product line as well recently. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah. So we just launched our coconut crunchums online and on Amazon. They're going to be going into retail this fall. We're so excited about this product. They're a small, snackable, crunchy version of our soft coconut cookies. And they're so fun to eat. They're very crunchy. They're made with between four and seven ingredients, depending on the flavor. So they're extremely simple and low in sugar. And There's three flavors, original, cinnamon, and chocolate, and they're all so amazing. We're our whole team. like Everyone is so obsessed and everyone who I've introduced them to is loving them so much. So it's so exciting to have this kind of new format for us, small and poppable. We do also have a line of brownie snaps, which is almost like a a crunchable brownie. But this is like truly a bite-sized poppable that's really satisfying and delicious. And we're so excited about it. Uh, so right now they're just online and
1: on Amazon. Nice. They look delicious. Very poppable. That's a good word for them. Yes.
2: Yes. We've been using that a lot in our marketing because they are. It's just, they're so fun to eat.
1: Nice. And what led to that? Was that consumer feedback? Was that wanting to capture a different part of the market? What led to the desire to introduce this new?
2: Yeah, I think we've always been very excited about crunchy products and our brownie snaps were our first foray into that but we knew because we had seen there's dried coconut chips and other kind of crunchable coconut things out there that we were just so inspired by so we really wanted to create something along those lines and it's been many years in the making this is like a the type of this product is something that we've been having our eyes on and like our brains on for a while and Yes, to have something really, truly snackable and poppable was like real exciting for us because our soft coconut cookies are so delicious. They're very satisfying. You could take a bite or two, you really savor that experience. And we love that. That's the feedback that we get. They're so satisfying. And so there's just that other snacking occasion where you just want to crunch on something and we really wanted to go for something there.
1: Yeah, it it's a really good way to expand your overall bread, right? Some people want that savory, some people want that crunch. You're like great, we've got something for both now. Don't worry, we've got you covered for whatever you're craving.
2: Totally. Yes, and we have we have another product line that we're going to be launching in the beginning of next year that is more of a soft and chewy format again, but slightly different. And so yeah, we're definitely always thinking about the snacking occasion and also just the benefits. Like I think people really love our products because it does more for them, right? It's not just like mindlessly eating something. It's There's actual nutrient density in our products. We use real ingredients that you know and pronounce and they're all very high quality. And so we're wanting to like really have our
1: products do more for people. Yeah, that, that's how people need to look at it. I think consumers are expecting that, right? Yeah. Definitely. And you do a lot, not just from the product, you guys have also done a lot with how your business is set up whether it be being a big b corporation making sure that you pay um above fair wages hiring refugees has that always been part of the dna of who you and ian are is that something that's evolved
2: yes it's funny because people often ask like how do you create a conscious business and for us There was never like a choice to do that. It just is very much who we are. And it's always been embedded into the DNA of the brand. And so as soon as we started hiring people, it was like we just had this goal of we need to be a living wage certified company. And then hiring people in the Ithaca community, we were so fortunate to be connected to someone who was in the refugee community, this woman, Da, who uh, is from Burma. She came to work for us and we didn't even know about this community of people. And we she just loves working for us so much because we have normal hours like working. It's just a very family oriented environment, which I would still that has maintained today. And um, so anytime we had an opening for manufacturing, she was like, oh, my neighbor, my cousin, I have someone. And we were like, oh, my gosh. And so then many years later, just our entire manufacturing staff was made up of. Burmese refugees. And for us, it's like creating a great place for them to work for everyone on of our, of our team, but also making the environment very equitable, meaning all signage is printed in both English and Karen, which is their dialect. We have translators, someone translate at all of our meetings. We have celebrated holidays with them, weddings, funerals. We have we've seen babies being born and That's just, yeah, that's just who we are and the type of environment we want to create, especially with manufacturing, because it's so important. And yeah, there's a lot of love that goes into our products. And it's really a beautiful thing to manufacture. I say this and someone who maybe is starting a company, there's lots to consider if you're looking at co-packing versus self-manufacturing. And we do both. We do have one, two product lines that are made with a co-packer, but we, majority of our business is in-house. And we just over the years, but something we thought, oh, do we go use a co-packer? But then we realized we have these people and who really care about the quality of the products. And that is so hard to find. You can't find that everywhere. And just there was a point when we were like, wow, this is really special and we just want to continue to build this. And it's been a really beautiful part of our story that again was not strategic. It just really unfolded and uh we're really proud of element and yes being a certified b corp is a great way to hold us accountable for how we are using our business as a force for good
1: yeah it sounds like you have created a very much a family atmosphere for not just the people working there but also the customers and buyers and really do try to spread that to everyone here touching the brand which is really fantastic that yeah Yes, we do our best. (laughs) And I know sometimes as a founder, you're like, oh my gosh, we're not doing good enough. But uh, it sounds like you guys are really doing a great job. And it's it's like the impact that you're making is really widespread, which makes all the ups and downs a little bit easier. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. Before we wrap up, I had one final question that, I don't know, I'm thinking some people might be thinking after listening to this. You started this business with your husband and you operate it with your husband. What is it like running a business with your life partner as well? Actually, so Ian and I
2: have actually shifted our relationship to be now like best friends and business partners. So that's like new-ish. It's been like over a year of us navigating that shift. But even before that, it's been an amazing journey for us. And I think even navigating this like shift in our relationship and still maintaining our friendship and our business relationship is really a testament to our partnership in general. And so we've we always have loved working together. And when we started the business, both me and Ian, we just did everything right. We did all of the jobs. And then what was really amazing is that when we had a little more bandwidth to go into the things that we were most passionate about, they really complemented each other. Mm -hmm. And I think for us, like communication has always been so important. And it's just it's been amazing. We've had just such a beautiful journey and we've loved spending all of the time together and learning together and just having this thing that we're like growing, which really has been like our baby. And so it really worked for us. So many people that we've met are like, I could never do that. (laughs) But we've really, it's really made the journey like super special. And we are like such a great team even today. Man, I there's so many things that we learned along the way that I think were really helpful. We had some friends that were also a couple that were running a business together. And they gave us this piece of advice, which I, but we always took to heart, which was Don't separate business and pleasure. I think that a lot of times when couples are working together, no, we like need to have this time that's like about us. And then this time that's only about business. We just naturally were able to flow all those things together. So it's, yeah, we would talk about home things at work, like our house or our dog, or just that's just how it happened. And then doing things at home that work brainstorms and things. And then obviously there's a time when you're just like, I need to clear my head and not talk about work but I feel like we did that really well and yeah we've had just like a really beautiful partnership like on lots of different levels and it really
1: did work for us yeah that's really great advice too like so many people do say don't make this nice and pleasure separate them but you found a way to make them both work together and it's really hard I would imagine it's like really hard just to have home versions and then like business person like how do you even do that for us it was the same it just wasn't yeah. we were the same people at
2: home that we are at work and yeah I think when you do separate those things there's automatically a lack in one so when you just when it's your entire life it just it just works and that that's what worked for us I think every business is different every couple is different everyone is very unique and there's no one way to do it there's no one way to grow a business there's no one way to have a relationship there's no way to grow and evolve. That's really what worked for us. But yes, I would say the communication piece is probably the most important. Like we never, we had something we needed to just navigate and talk through. Like we took care of that right away. We never let any, I don't know, we're not, we never really fight, but we never let any kind of like tension spew into work or anywhere.
1: Or just We just always took care of things right away. That's really great advice. I think for anyone working with a partner in whatever way, shape, or form, right? Key advice yeah. yeah. And I love what you said. There is no one side to grow a business. This is one of the key pieces that I think everyone can always learn. You're sharing one way, but someone else has probably done another way and someone else has probably done another way. There are so many different ways and it's finding a way that makes sense for you. And I think it's, just, there are some core principles to it But there's also so many different ways to make it happen. And we see evidence of that all throughout the grocery store. Oh,
2: totally. Definitely.
1: Santa, as we wrap up, anything else that you wanted to share with anyone who is maybe at the same stage as you, who is looking to continuously evolve or someone who is in that earlier stages and uh, looking to grow?
2: My biggest piece of business advice is start before you're ready. I think that it's so easy for us. And I say this myself, too. It's so easy to feel like things have to be perfect in order to move forward, whether it's your packaging or your website. You can get pretty far with us. We started with a clear bag and a home printed label. And we had quite a We really started a business that way. It just wasn't beautiful. And eventually we were able to tweak things later. I just say, test things out, start in little ways. Don't necessarily quit your job and go start this business and put all your eggs in one basket, but are there little ways that you can just start now? That's something I often remind myself of.
1: I love that. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for sharing everything about the growth of Ennies Organic and where you guys are and looking forward to continuing to let you guys grow. If people want to go check out Ennies, where can they find you? You can find us on our website,
2: emmysorganics.com. You can find us on Instagram at emmysorganics. Those are the best ways. We did just launch a Threads account. <laughs>
1: <laughs> We're on there too. We're on TikTok. But I'd say website and Instagram would be the first places to go. Awesome. Thank you so much, Samantha. Everyone goes back to out and uh, grab yourself some cookies. Yes. Oh, yeah. I didn't
2: actually mention our key retailers. Just if you do want to find us in stores, you can find us in Whole Foods Market. You can find us in Sprouts. You can find us in Kroger. You can find us in Wegmans and lots of other amazing retailers. On our website, there is a store locator where you can put your zip code in and find a store near you. So just want to shout that out too.
1: Perfect. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Samantha. Thank you. That's it for this week, food friend. Thanks for
0: tuning in. If the show helped you in any way, please go ahead and leave a rating or review of the show below. I also wanna thank our sponsor one more time, the Food Brands That Sell program, the program to transform how you navigate the CPG industry, and ultimately sets you up for success within it. Go ahead and get yourself on the waitlist using the link below, or you can put yourself on the wait list at foodbrands.sell waitlist at waitlist. Catch you next time, food friend.